As we get started today, I want you to think of something, okay? Think of a food that you used to like but you can't eat anymore, uh, for whatever reason that might be. Um, for me, this was very, very easy to think about. Um, There's a long period of time, uh, my mom cooked a lot at home, uh, but on Sundays we were kind of on our own for food. And so my dad used to take it upon himself, and my dad actually used to cook on Saturday nights. And on Sunday nights, he would often go to Publix, and every single Sunday for like a long time, it was a rotisserie chicken, it was a macaroni salad, and baked beans. Every single Sunday night, rotisserie chicken, that moho, I think they still got that moho, I, I eat that quite a bit, uh, still. Uh, Publix uh, noodle salad, what am I trying to say? It's macaroni salad, that's the word, that's the word. Macar I can't, also, I can't hear right now. Uh, I'm super congested in this ear, and I can't hear very well, so I'm just all over the place today. Um, macaroni salad and baked beans. And for a long time, this was great. You know, it was fine. It was a good meal. We were fed. Fantastic. But there came a point where the moment I saw that clear container of macaroni salad, my stomach immediately started to hurt. I couldn't even smell, like the sound of the plastic being ripped off, it made my heart and my head hurt a little bit. I could not eat the macaroni salad anymore. And I'm a little bit better now. I can eat macaroni salad. I can honestly eat people who make macaroni salad. I can eat that. But for a little bit, for, for, for some reason, I still cannot eat that Publix macaroni salad. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, what I can do about it, but I probably won't eat it anytime soon. So don't get that for me. I, so, I tell you, sometimes you get Michelle stuff, like peanut butter M&Ms. Don't ever get me Publix mac macaroni salad, okay? I'd appreciate that. We're going to come back to that in a second. And maybe you're thinking about that for your own self, what that one food for you might be. Maybe it's something similar. You ate it too much and you can't eat it anymore. Maybe you got sick after you ate it and so now you can't touch it anymore. That happened to me as well. But for whatever reason it might be, I want you to think about that. We'll return to it in a minute. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 5, verse 13, and we're going to read this again. Why don't, uh, why don't we just look back at this? It's a small verse, but it's important for us to continue to refresh our minds as to what this is saying. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You may be familiar with this, with this passage, and you may, even non-church people might be familiar with this turn of phrase, right? You've heard it before, you're a very salt-of-the-earth person, right? You don't have to be a Christian to understand what that means, right? When people say you are salt-of-the-earth, what they're saying to you is, like, you're a good and honest person, right? You kind of feel me on that? You are trustworthy, you are down-to-earth, very easy to relate to, salt-of-the-earth. While that's a very fine definition, I want to look at this scripture very seriously this morning and ask ourselves a few questions about what it means to be salt of the earth, what it means to be salty, because that, that definition's also changed, right? Today, we, when we talk about being salty, that means you're kind of being rude, uh, but we're trying to be salty in here this morning, okay? Uh, but for me, when I read this, I, I had a lot of questions, but for me, when I have a lot of questions about scripture, sometimes it's best to go backwards, and see where it leads you to, okay? So that's what we're going to do this morning, beginning in verse 3 of chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if you're reading this and you're saying, amen, you're nodding your head, that's a good thing, right? These are all very good things. Nod your heads if you're with me, okay? That's very good things. as well. When we read these things, honestly, like I said before, these are very, very well-known pieces of Scripture. Sometimes I can read these and I kind of find myself falling into a rhythm, right? Blessed are the merciful. It's even kind of rhythmic in nature, right? And are, are you feeling this way a little bit, right? You, you've heard this your entire life. But when I read these and I get into these rhythms, I had to stop myself because you know who didn't think about this in some kind of sort of rhythm? The people who probably heard this the first time, Right? Because you and I, we know this, and we're saying amen to this because we know what Jesus did and what he, Jesus continues to do. But put yourselves in the people's shoes who heard this for the very first time. Are you nodding your heads along with this? Maybe, but maybe you're also asking a lot of questions, right? What, is, what does this even mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit. How could I ever be blessed and be poor at the same time? That does not really make any sense. What does it mean, blessed are those who mourn? How could I be blessed when I'm mourning? I've lost something. How does that make me blessed? And we could go through the list. If we were the first people hearing this, we might be saying, what is this guy talking about? But you see, this is kind of the stage that Jesus sets for his entire life in ministry, right? I refer to it oftentimes as this upside-down kingdom. I had a conversation with John Hounshaw one time. Sorry, I didn't ask you about this. Uh, but he said, you know what, actually... Our kingdom is the upside-down kingdom. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Jesus is preaching the actual kingdom here, but we live in this upside-down kingdom we don't even know we're living in. What he's preaching to us here this morning, and for all eternity at this point, is the true kingdom. And I can imagine the people's faces, their mouths wide open when they're hearing, what do you mean, blessed are the merciful? Blessed are the pure in heart. What does this even mean? But as I'm asking myself these questions, I'm saying, yes, this is actually how life should be. Yes, blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is good news. This is something that I should be looking forward to. And I'm sure a lot of people, even though they're questioning him, there's probably a lot of people saying, yes, there's someone finally who's an advocate for me. I have been mourning. Thank God I will not mourn forever. Yes, I am poor, but thank God I'll not be poor forever. You have both of these camps hearing these messages and hearing this is so different from what they've normally been hearing. And then we get down to what we've been talking about this morning, about being salt. And kind of what I'm taking away from this is that if we're supposed to be salt of the earth, my question is, am I salt of the earth? Jesus kind of goes through this rhythm of saying, blessed are those who do this. Blessed are those who, and it's kind of ambiguous. But then he gets to Matthew 5.13, and he gets what he says. You are salt of the earth. You are salt of the earth. And I kind of got myself asking myself this question. Am I salt of the earth? I feel like he's pointing the finger directly at me. When I'm reading these things, right? We hear the Beatitudes, kind of this ambiguous group. Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. And he finally gets here and says, hey, Jimmy, I'm talking to you still. You are salt of the earth. And I got myself asking this question this week. Am I? 
the salt of the earth. What does this even mean to be salt of the earth? What does it mean to have this? And what does it really mean to... I have all these questions, right? And I don't want to mislead anybody this morning because what I think, what it means to be salt of the earth, what it really boils down to is that when you hear the Beatitudes, you get excited. When you hear the Beatitudes, you say amen, and that's the salt living in your life. When you are becoming salt of the earth, it's because you're receiving the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who, and you're saying, yes, Jesus, tell me more about that. When you are salt of the earth, you're living in the Beatitudes. You're living into this lifestyle of hearing and believing all this truth that Jesus is saying here that contradicts what the world is telling us to be about. Are you with me? That is how we are salt of the earth. When we hear the Beatitudes, amen. And so that got me excited. Yes, all right, cool. I can get along with this. I'm excited about the Beatitudes. But when I sat with that, I started to also sit with Matthew 13 a little bit more because then he goes on to say this, 5.13, he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And my excitement turned to worry. I don't know if you're, if you're with me. I, I grew up in a church, a very small church. I was the youngest person in that church by a lot. Uh, um, and I don't want to blame them for this, but sometimes I would come across scriptures like this, or, and I would be worried that I would accidentally lose my saltiness. Has anybody ever felt that way? I, I remember the first time I actually had a conversation with my sister this past week about this. When I was a kid and I heard about blaspheming the Holy Spirit as an unforgivable sin, I was so afraid that I was going to accidentally blaspheme the Holy Spirit one day. I was like, man, I hope I don't do that unforgivable thing on accident because God's going God's to be upset with me. And I'm hearing this and I'm reading this and I'm saying, what if I accidentally lose my saltiness? What's going to happen to me? Even as an adult, I kind of have to work through it. That's terrible theology. I'm telling you right now, it's awful. But as a kid, that's kind of what I wrestled with, you know, so I want to really sit with this this morning. What does it mean to lose your saltiness? What does it mean for this in your life? What does it look like? And I want to encourage you, this is, does not happen on accident, okay? You could not be walking down the street one day and be like, shoot, I lost my saltiness. I guess you should throw me on the ground and trample over me. That's not what this text is saying this morning. Okay, and as I kind of delve deeper and I kind of ask myself more questions, this text sounded a lot more familiar to me the more I sat with it. Right? And, and in the context, with all this, you know, the Beatitudes, yes to the Beatitudes, amen to that. I, I am salt of the earth. Thank you, Jesus, for affirming that. But the saltiness thing, it got me worried. But then it started making me think of something else that's very, very apparent today in today's culture. And I'm sure you've seen this. Burnout. You familiar with this term, burnout? I'm sure you are. This is a, just a simple definition. Exhaustion of physical or emotional strength or motivation, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. You don't have to raise your hand this morning, but I'm sure over the past two years, many of us have experienced this. Many of us has ex have experienced this. I know I have definitely experienced this. You know, COVID was a time, and still is, it's not gone, right? But when we were first learning about all this and we were locked down and everybody was taken from their normal routines, it seemed like there was a magnifying glass and all the places in our lives we didn't want to have a magnifying glass put. A lot of this stress and a lot of this frustration, we realized that 
we didn't realize we saw it before, but then we really realized it once we stopped for a second. And then all of a sudden, the wheels in our head start turning, and all of a sudden, this burnout becomes a real phenomenon in our lives. And maybe you've experienced this at work where you're experiencing burnout with your job. You're just fatigued. You go into work, and all of a sudden, that person that used to annoy you a little bit is the last person you want to see in your life. Right, that person, the mere good morning from them makes the the hair on the back of your neck stand up like, don't say good morning to me. I don't like you. But you nod your head and you go along. You see, you know, you go to wherever you're working and, and the little things that used to bother you, the little things now are big things that you hate. The big things that you go to sleep at night and you dream about. Right, you start sweating in the middle of the night because that little thing that used to bother you is now dominating your existence right? Your boss or whoever your manager you're working for, they used to get on your nerves a little bit. Now you are ready to snap, right? And we can kind of nod our heads like this, but the, the fact of the matter is this is not just a workplace problem. This is a church place spiritual life problem as well. The burnout that you experience in your job is the exact kind of burnout you also experience in your spiritual walk as well. When I read these words about salt losing its saltiness, I just see burnout screaming at me from, from, from like in between the lines. Because what it sounds like is that there's an opportunity for people to hear the Beatitudes and not say amen anymore. Right? There's an opportunity for Christians who have been Christians for a long time that go through the ups and downs of life and they look around and say, hey, nothing really is changing for me. And hey, you know what? Blessed are the, are the peacekeepers. I'm tired of being the peacekeeper. Or the peacemakers. Uh, God, I, blessed are the meek. I'm really tired of being meek because nothing's going my way anymore. I am tired of all these things. I'm tired of it. And God, you're not doing anything about it. And I'm sick of it. And so we get through these cycles where we might not call it burnout. We might call it cynicism. Where sure, I'm coming to church, but I see that person. And if I see that person say good morning to me, the hair in the back of my neck is going to stand up because I don't like you very much. And that used to be your brother and sister that you could tolerate, right? But now you just don't want to be around them. That thing that you used to do, that service that you used to put your heart into, that when you got up in the morning you're saying, yes, I get to serve Jesus and his people today, you dread. It's burnout. And reading again in three lines, I think this is exactly what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 5.13. When you lose your saltiness, you lose sight of the blessings that Jesus puts in your life. When you lose your saltiness, you're kind of burning out in this way to where you see the Beatitudes and you no longer say amen. You say, how come? What does that even mean? That doesn't mean truth to me anymore. And you get to this endless cycle where nothing makes sense to you anymore. And you're so burnt out to the point where it's like, you know what? I don't even a bunch of hypocrites anyway. Jimmy talks too much. He always talks about things I don't care about. And I'm sick of going to that Bible class. I'm sick of going to these events. Nobody likes me. I don't have friends there. All the excuses that we have really is a, is a side effect of being burnt out. And really, truly, it's a side effect of losing your saltiness. But I want to be very clear. I don't think you lose your saltiness on accident. I don't think you choose burnout in your life, I think this is something that happens over time, right? You don't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to hate my coworkers, 
Or, hey, I'm going to hate my brothers and sisters that I go to church with. That's not how it works. But over time, we see ourselves slipping into this cycle of burnout. Cycle of, of saltlessness. How do we get here? We get here because we look around also and say the world isn't so bad. The world is not so bad. How, how come the people in the world are actually acting better than the people in church? We convince ourselves of these things. And I'm sorry, I feel like I go to Psalm 73 all the time in here, but it's a, it's a huge encouragement to me. I didn't make a slide for this, but I just have to read this part in Psalm 73. The psalmist is looking around and he keeps going around basically saying evil's going unchecked. All the people who are evil, they're actually thriving. And all the people of God, they're not thriving. And he's so frustrated and he's calling out to God, what, what's going on here? But then in verse 16, everything changes of Psalm 73. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Do you see the, the switch there that's flipped? Because the psalmist is in this cycle right here of burnout, this cycle of saltlessness, getting to the point where he's going to or she's going to be like, hey, I, 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 am, I am done here. What am I supposed to do? They quickly and adeptly do the exact right thing, Right? Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Then my saltiness was returned to me. The Beatitudes in this sermon by, by Jesus was said way later. But I'm sure that the psalmist would turn and say, then I remembered the Beatitudes and I could say amen again. Then I had my saltiness restored. I want you to think about that food that you were, you were thinking about at the very beginning. And so many times, like for me, the macaroni salad, disgusting, right? Sometimes that exact same feeling can happen within these walls and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and that feeling, I don't, I don't want to say that it's bad, but I want, I want to say that, you know, there's an opportunity for you to get out of that cycle, even though it seems impossible there. It seems impossible, you know, to overcome whatever that, you know, that food thing we're talking about. It it's also seems impossible to overcome those people and those situations in our lives as well. To the point where we couldn't even fathom, you know, the reality of the Beatitudes. We're so out of the cycle. And, I, and I'm reminded also of Ephesus and the, the letter in, in the Revelation where the Ephesians are told to remember their first love, Right? to remember where you came from, to return to your salty behavior. So my question this morning is, how can we take control of our spiritual burnout, a.k.a. saltlessness? How can we take control of our spiritual burnout? There's two things that I want us to think about this morning. One is to tell someone how you feel and make sure they know Jesus. The best way to keep lying to yourself, the best way to keep cynicism going in your life is to keep it to yourself. And an even better way to do that is to put yourself in an echo chamber with someone who else who is cynical. Can you believe Jimmy said that? Yeah, he's awful. And you guys can go together and say bad things about me together to the point where you're so unsalty, it's not even funny. I'm making fun of myself to, to you know, an example, but it's not just about that. It's about all things in our lives. 
I want to encourage you to find someone that you know knows Jesus and tell them how you actually feel. So many times in the church, we want to have generic confessions. You ever done one of those? I'm struggling with this. Please pray for me. Okay, and that's fine. Sometimes you don't share everything with everybody, but you have to have at least one person you're sharing that thing with that can be deeply personal with you. Because you are going to go down this path of saltlessness to the point where you're going to be useless, to the point where the Beatitudes can no longer enlighten you. I, I promised myself I wasn't going to talk about Saul this morning, but I have to, okay? Saul, Saul lost his salt a long time ago because he wasn't talking to the people he had to talk to. He had David with him, and, he, and it worked kind of, sort of, for a little bit, but not really. Because I truly believe he didn't have someone that he could talk to that knew the right way to go. Guys, we're still living and breathing today. That means we still have an opportunity to tell somebody the truth about how we're feeling. If you feel like you are losing your saltiness, talk to somebody today. And please, please make sure they know who Jesus is. That's the only way to stop the cycle. That's the only way to move forward. And the second thing is to force a yes to something small for Jesus. I was having a conversation this morning about this exact thing, and I believe that's the Holy Spirit moving and working. You know who you are, okay? I'm not going to say. But a small yes can do a lot of good, amen? A small yes. And the greatest thing about it is that you can have ulterior motives for helping people. You can do things in the name of Jesus and they don't even have to know it sometimes. It's good to tell people, obviously, but sometimes when you're in that cycle where you don't know what to do, the best thing that you can do is something very small for Jesus. To do something is, to be is better to do nothing, right? To do something, even if it's small, is better than just to sit there in the place where you've been sitting for a long time doing absolutely nothing. You're not going to get out of the cycle unless you do something. So force a yes to something small and just see what happens. It's so, so, so easy to start. But so many of us are caught in that cycle. It seems impossible. I want to encourage you this morning. When you talk to that person, maybe even that's your small thing. I don't know. Whatever it is for you. But force a yes to something small for Jesus and see what he can do with it. Ultimately, you are salt when you hear the Beatitudes and you say amen. But you can't do it by yourself. You cannot do it by yourself. Absolutely not. That's the one thing I love about cooking it, it is, is perfect seasoning. And sometimes when I'm cooking a soup or something, I'll season the meat perfectly, but I'll forget to season the vegetables. Or I'll season the vegetables and not season the meat. But sometimes we get into the situation where they season each other, and man, that's a good soup. Right? Good soup. I don't know. I had to do that. Um, really good. When they season each other, we have to be about seasoning each other. Amen? Find someone to talk to, force a small yes for Jesus, and just see what happens. I think you'll be amazed as what the Spirit can do with your little offering and his great power. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity to come together and sing and pray and, and take communion and really dive into this word this morning. I pray that if this is a kind of a, a familiar um, scripture that it kind of opened our minds to ask ourselves the question, where am I on my saltiness scale? Am I saying amen to the Beatitudes or am I saying no way to the Beatitudes? 
Am I allowing the Spirit to move in my life or am I allowing my own cynical thoughts to be the control? Am I allowing burnout to control my inner being or am I allowing the Spirit to control my inner being? God, help us to be real with ourselves this morning. Help us to seek out that someone to tell how we really feel. And God, help us to say yes to a small thing for Jesus today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're not sure where to start, there's going to be two someones up here this morning, me and an elder of some sort. If that's your person to tell that your, your honest truth to, I encourage you to tell that honest truth to them. If it's not us, that's fine too. I am not offended by that whatsoever. But please find that someone today. Talk to somebody today as we continue, as we stand and sing.